1: Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech series. My name is Nick Hoadley, and each week I'm going to be interviewing a leading insure tech executive to find out more about the technology opportunities that are there for the insurance industry, whether that's for brokers, carriers, or direct to policyholders. And I'll also be looking at and exploring the different career opportunities available for people from within the insurance industry. So please join me each week as we learn more and we discover what advice they have for insurance leaders looking to make that move into an insurtech or a startup business. Today, I'm joined by John Briscoe, who is the CEO and co-founder of insurtech company Coherent based in Hong Kong. Welcome to the show, John.
0: Thanks, Nick. Pleasure to be here.
1: John, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show today. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Coherent and the, and the great work you're doing there. To start off with, though, can I just ask you to share with the, our listeners a little bit more about your background and your career path, and what what led you to starting the business?
0: Yeah, I'd be delighted to. Uh, so my background is in insurance. I started my career in the UK. Uh, you would notice it's a Scottish accent, where I was fortunate to start my career with the AXA Group and basically worked in a number of roles uh, in the UK. Uh, and then from there, kind of extended out uh, to Australia. Uh, where I worked with AXA in Australia for a number of of roles also. Before going into management consultancy, where I advised uh, various insurers and banks, uh, before going into senior C-Speak roles, QB insurance uh, across a number of continents and also Manulife Asia. And then it was about a couple of years ago, three years ago, where I had this sort of kind of passion and thesis that I felt I could create a business which could help the insurers looking at how we can develop new technology platforms to help the insurance industry become more modern more digital and really kind of take advantage of new opportunities which i I saw emerging and and that's what's been my life over the last three years
1: really looking forward to hearing that transition from uh, working at a global insurer to starting up on your own there john as we're in the insurance coffee house can i ask you what's your go-to coffee of choice in the morning (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, my go-to is actually oat milk latte very fancy so yes i've i've kind of caught up with this oat milk trend which has started to hit the world and it's it is my go-to in the morning
1: very fancy and very very healthy indeed john that's great, great. i'm probably
0: abnormally i'm normally expensive as well for a coffee from my scottish roots but uh, it seems to do the trick in the morning
1: yeah yeah i don't know whether, whether a lot of your your old scottish pals start the day of an oatmeal latte no <laughs> <John>. <laughs> yeah, if they're
0: listening if they're listening to this there'll be a bit of cringiness about me saying that but yes
1: yeah Ah, uh, john that's great that's great if we if we now move on to the business if you could give us a bit of an overview of the company where where it is now and w- what you're looking to achieve
0: yeah, so the company is, is really sort of emerged over the last three years uh, to be a company with over 200 people located in seven or eight different locations, um, mainly Asia, but really fast growing now into the US. And re- a really our core kind of offering is we provide technology platforms and data intelligence engines, which can help insurers across the, the value chain, particularly with a focus on helping improve the whole product and administration layer, the distribution layer as well as the customer engagement and customer acquisition layer, And we've got different solutions across that value chain because our belief is, is it's not one platform to rule them all. It's actually discrete sort of modular products to solve big problems, which can be connected together depending on if the insurer wants solutions. But in the main solving distinct problems, which we believe can create tremendous outcomes and value for the insurers that we work with.
1: And is, is that how the business came about when you're working for QB or, or, or for one of the large insurers? Did you see a problem that needed solving and think, actually, you, you've got the solution to that and you, you could create a business out of it? That?
0: Yeah, it's a really great question. I think if you take a step back, reg- regardless of the brand of an insurer and the size of an insurer, insurers intuitively know around where the biggest challenges are, as well as where they'd like to be. The simple problem being that Uh, Obviously, there are a number of challenges of moving from your current state to the destination because of legacy complexity challenges, regulatory challenges, as well as what I commonly say, kind of core quarter by quarter business sort of uh, goals, which insurers have to meet. And what that means is that when you're sitting in internal teams, you don't have the luxury of having the capacity and time to sit back and go, how how will we really solve problems which we can't move away from? And my thesis was that in order to really solve those problems, and many of them are common across PNC, Life, Health uh, and, and Group uh, Insurance, that it needed to have a, a business which is going to spend dedicated time about what are so, some of the solutions needed to help the insurers move and really tackle this kind of legacy challenge. So it was the learnings from my time in those organizations, seeing how the dynamics of the organizations work, as well as probably looking an, across a number of technology organizations, which are in existence in the industry, and many of them not really understanding the core problems which the insurer is trying to solve. And that's where we saw the gap and saw the opportunity. And, and obviously, a couple of years later, that seems to be resonating. And, and that's that's really been the genesis of, of what our, our, our business is trying to solve.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic, John. And clearly there is a, there is a need and there's, there's clearly a big market out there because of your very fast growth. How have you found moving from a large corporate insurance company, you know, sit, sitting as a C suite into a startup, a very fast paced, fast growth business? How have you found that move? What do you think sort of been the sort of the key highlights and anything that you found particularly challenging as well along the way?
0: yeah look at look at, it'd be the right answer would be to say it's been amazing it's been the best sort of kind of step and it's been plain sailing all the way the reality is it's not right and when you decide to make that move like you, you really need to think about it in depth mm-hmm. and it wasn't an immediate decision I did I'd explored and, and talked to a lot of people who are in startups or who are in the more kind of the capital side IVC or PEs to, to kind of really kind of get my head around like taking that step to creating your own business and growing on your own business what are going to be some of the hardships you're going to to face and look at the hardship was day one like basically you go in and you go from obviously sitting in your own office surrounded by obviously various teams in different continents to basically having you and one other person uh, sitting on a plastic table and plastic chairs in a shared office. And the reality starts to hit home pretty quickly, right? And then you also realize when you're on the insurer side that basically the connections and network and relationships you have because of the seniority you have, uh, whenever you wanted meetings, it seemed quite easy to get them or whenever you wanted doors to be opened, it wasn't that difficult very difficult when you've got a business of only a couple of people and and you're trying to say i'd like you to tell you about my business and they're going well what's your business about we're going well we're going to tell you when we get there <laughs> uh so so it's a kind of sort of like you, you do have to dampen your expectations around like, the network you may have the previous roles you may have as well as obviously the the kind of experience you may have because when you you kind of cross that divide everyone's focused on well what, what's the value you're bringing tell me that that's what they're examining it's not you the individual it's What's the offering you as a business is trying to, to to bring? So that's the biggest thing, and then and then secondly, when you get over that, then it's then you have to then you realise that you have to figure out and experiment as to what are going to be the areas that you see the opportunities and see what you're trying to create as a business and, and testing and learning. Because nobody creates a, a magical product platform within two or three weeks, right? It's a it's an iteration of going through stress testing your idea, taking it to the next level, maybe showing something that's which is ugly to people. And I've showed a few things which are ugly to people as we've gone through the journey. But at least they could see the thought process as to what we're trying to do. And then collectively over time, you get more and more sort of traction, more and more interest, more and more wins. And then that network that you had before starts to kind of be easier to tap into. Because it's easier for them to say, look, this is a business which seems to have something which you can add value to versus being two guys in a shed type of thing. So uh, that, that's that's been the biggest kind of kind of kind of learning. But it's been yeah, it, it certainly resets you as to what your value is, but also probably helps you learn some new skills that you didn't realize you had.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say that the main thing that your products do and talked about iteration there? How have you gone about developing them over over the years?
0: Yeah, it's it's a great question. We actually have uh, six different products, which is quite unique for a company at our stage. And it's mainly because, obviously, we've identified lots of different problems which exist within the the, the insurance ecosystem. And and basically helping insurers move away from one platform to to kind of rule or or fix all problems, Mm. because that's... The fall that's the fallacy of what they have at the moment. This is why they've got a lot of these very clunky policy administration uh, systems, and they have multiple ones of them, which become a nightmare to maintain over time. So obviously, the new way of thinking about technology is much more modular, APIs, microservices, without going into too much tech jargon. But we kind of felt if we could create a much more modular offering, it's going to offer much more opportunity for us as a business to, to expand as well as be seen as a business which can add real sort of value adds across the value chain no, no doubt the, the kind of flagship platform is called spark where basically we've created what we're calling is a no code logic engine uh, where we're taking insurers complex models complex logic and we can ingest that into our platform and turn that into code instantly so what that is helping if you think about the average insurer thousands of spreadsheets within the organization. Uh, And many of these spreadsheets are product spreadsheets, pricing spreadsheets, underwriting spreadsheets, commission spreadsheets, evaluation spreadsheets. You could talk all day about spreadsheets, but but they've had to maintain them in Excel because obviously the insurers run complex businesses and therefore the financial instruments they're running are complex. And the challenge you've always had is the actuaries or the business teams trying to transport that to their IT teams to then develop into systems, it becomes quite a lengthy process, costly process. So the fact that we're able to kind of automate that, that whole sort of kind of experience and then provide them a much more logic brain moving forward. Is a platform which uh, we we believe is the one which is helping insurers really kind of rethink as to the possibilities. And, and, and that's what we're tremendously excited about. And that platform is one which is resonating across the world. And then everything else is just an add-on to that, whether it's the distribution platforms we have, whether it's the administration platform we have, even if it's the customer engagement platform. Because if you can figure out how the insurance logic works and help that become more exposed in a more modern way then the possibilities are limitless and we've seen many of our clients have tremendous benefits from deploying that
1: absolutely absolutely what would you say are the key benefits for your clients and is the business mainly operating with asian-based insurers or are you working more internationally as well
0: yeah, as as a business, like I'll ask answer the second question first. Like uh, we have a, a tremendous pedigree of multinational insurers as our client. Obviously, and if you look at Asia, the market in Asia is dominated by many of the multinationals because obviously they've recognised the opportunity in the Asia region and the scale play that they've done over the last twenty to thirty years to build a franchise has meant that in many markets you see the same brands. So it makes no like it's made sense for us to obviously try to work with some of those brands to, to obviously take advantage of the scale play they have, as well as obviously the investment dollars they're looking to do to, to digitize their business. That being said, we have a number of local insurers in, the, in Asia, as well as clients, and we're, we're growing that base as well. But we actually started with the multinationals in order to build pedigree, as well as proof of concept and proof of, of, of obviously product viability. And as we've expanded into the US, we're, we're now working with a number of US carriers, as well as MGAs. Obviously, the MGA channel over there is tremendously large. Many of the MGAs uh, kind of write their own risk as well. And that offers a new channel for us. So so basically adding a number of new names and brands to our portfolio of clients, which is obviously very exciting for us. And then in terms of going back to the benefits we're adding insurers, we we kind of always try to to kind of really make it quite distinct like distinct themes right one is speed right often you'll hear insurers playing about speed of product to market or speed of basically being able to implement a new system or or basically deploy changes to their system so with our technology we're enabling products to come to market times 10 quicker and uh, there's a number of proof cases we've been able to kind of showcase that then there's simplicity like when i was explaining about the spark kind of platform what we're trying to do is make ensure a kind of ecosystem internally much easier to navigate how can you reduce the complexity of passing complex models across number of functions to then turn into systems right that's a complex process with our world we're making it much more kind of simple and easier for users either in the business the actuarial side or in the technology side to operate with technology and then the third element is efficiency right so the reality being that if you can actually deploy technology at low economics, as well as obviously ongoing kind of reduced cost of change as well, because you've got this much more modern technology architecture, it just frees up more capital for the insurers to invest in transformational activities yeah. versus business as usual. Because unfortunately. 70-80% of most of an insurer's IT budget still goes on business as usual This is transformational so what we're saying is obviously the value case is if you, if you do use our technology it is going to give you more economic benefit and therefore you can use that to do other sort of exciting initiatives that you want to actually do and not get constrained by having to put all your eggs into the kind of business as usual way of running things so yeah that, that tends to be the three sort of benefit areas which uh, I think w- we add a lot of value to you
1: See, clearly you're helping insurers to become a lot more agile a lot more fast-paced being able to get their products to market a lot quicker would you say that the biggest benefit is for the incumbent insurers or is there also do you see a lot of work with new insurance and the mgas you talked about in the states as well
0: yeah i think it's fascinating like i think the the reality being always look at I think it's often said that the banking industry tends to be a good sort of litmus test about where potentially the the insurance industry goes next. Mm -hmm. And obviously what you've seen is the the rise of neobanks and banking as a service, right? And you've seen uh, many of the neobanks now don't build their own tech. They rely on kind of uh, the equivalent to ourselves in the banking side to provide their tech platforms. So I do see that as being a potential trend. But I I do also think the barriers to entry for virtual insurers is higher than it is mm-hmm. to Neil Bank because the virtue of insurance is more complex than probably transactional finance like deposits mm-hmm. or investments. So that's the reality. Like. People might dispute that, but it is, right? And Because the products are longer in duration. The products have more mitigating factors on the risk side, which means that it's not easy just to go up and create a, a kind of virtual insurer and, and then get a return or get massive growth. It's going to take time. And insurance is one of those things as well, where I think trust is a big thing, and hence why people tend to buy their insurance from established brands because they want the insurer to be there at the time of, of claim is, is the reality. So we will obviously work with them, but the challenge of, of their growth is... Some of the reasons I outlined then and then in the incumbent side, you're talking about some of the biggest brands in the world and obviously some of the presence of of so many of them across obviously different geographies are, are really incumbent insurers who, who may be one geography focused. They tend to be our core clients mm. and nearly every single one of them is looking for ways to think about digitization of the business differently, think about technology differently. So there's never been a more open time to speak to them. Yeah. And we're trying to be that that kind of value proposition to, to help them accelerate that ch- that change to transformation and, and digitization.
1: Awesome. John, you're at the forefront of cutting edge technology. So I'd really like to get your opinion on how you see the insurance market developing over the next five years. And and what type of businesses do you think are going to be successful during this time?
0: It's a really interesting question. My, my own thesis is that the incumbents will continue to get bigger. Because the reality is, if you look across mm-hmm. the world, there's still so much under penetration of insurance that the reality is that there's a lot of open green space for them in every region in the world, right? And I think many of the insurers are opening their eyes around alternative distribution. To their traditional channels of whether that's brokers, agency, banks, etc., mm. uh, they they realise the opportunity to go into more digital ecosystems for for insurance growth. So I think you're going to see the incumbents continue to kind of to grow. I do think in the in the kind of the the more middle distribution layer, there's going to be a lot of innovation in the MGA and broker space. I think there's a lot of capital in that area. I think there's a lot of opportunities for uh, kind of businesses which. Pull together different MGE brands or, or different MGE offerings, and basically they might obviously have specialist sort of MGA sort of uh, underwriting and product capability at the front end, but then get the leverage of technology scale underneath that moving forward. So I see businesses like that starting to to be quite successful. And I think you might see quite a lot of acquisitions in that space as well in order to create those type of businesses. And particularly in in Europe, as well as the US and Japan, I think is going to be the play for, the, for those types of business models. And then they kind of, there's the virtual or, or Basically, digital insurers, right? Obviously, you've seen the Lemonades and the Hippos, et cetera. In Asia, we've got companies like Bowtie, et cetera, which are doing quite well also. They'll grow and and I think there'll be winners and there'll be losers. But the trend which I think will really take off is embedded insurance, where I think with this rise of this digital economy, the kind of the impact of what COVID's had of now people buying nearly everything digitally, just basically interacting digitally via social, et cetera. I just think insurance will be more embedded into Kind of various sort of transactions or various sort of buying experiences which uh, people do day to day so i think the elements i discussed before all those different channels incumbent insurers new age mgas as well as uh, uh, direct insurers will want to play in that space and there's plenty of space for them all to multiplayer it's not a one winner takes all there's so much opportunity across different geographies in that and, and that's an area obviously we get excited about because we believe we've got unique capability to help that that space grow very very quickly
1: Absolutely, you're you're right in a position to, to enable that and to to really run with that as those businesses continue to to grow, John. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for that detailed answer. I think it's that's a really fascinating point of view. Brings us nicely on now to our espresso round as the questions are short, sharp, and straight to the point. So I know you like your uh, your oat milk latte, John. But are you ready for an espresso?
0: <laughs> no, I am. Um, usually, I get a bit hyper after the espresso, so hopefully, I, I don't come up. For it. Too quick. (laughs) (laughs) The espresso round.
1: John, what percentage of your current employees are from an insurance background at the moment?
0: Yeah, it's actually 65 to 70% have came from an insurance background, so uh, we have a number of actuaries in the business, uh, which is quite distinct for uh, an insure tech business. Uh, about thirty odds uh, actuaries in in our business, and then many of our technology teams have came from uh, working in insurers in the past or insurance uh, technology companies. So have a quite a deep domain e- uh, expertise, and and obviously a number of the product teams as well have have came from an insurance background as well. So it is about sixty five to seventy percent
1: that's really interesting really interesting clearly we you can see the the value of a of a high- performing insurance career you can see that value being brought into your business do you think do you think part of that is is because of your own personal background you can really see that value there
0: look i think people underestimate the technicality associated with the insurance industry right uh, if you look at various functions whether it's kind of customer acquisition underwriting claims and a number of things in between like There's a high level of technicality which exists across each one of them. So what you tend to find is a number of technical experts, a functional level. And functional experts tend to be very good in product roles, i.e. technology product roles, because they can bring real sort of knowledge on features and kind of must-have capabilities for a a technology solution to be effective. So there's a natural kind of crossover of that sort of uh, kind of skill set come into an insurance technology company is it's quite natural right mm-hmm. uh, and then obviously on the actuarial side because uh, as, as mentioned previously on the spark side we want to be this kind of world leader in, in helping complex logic turn into to kind of a uh, kind of uh, apis and codes uh, instantly that would always look for extremely smart uh, highly technical actuarial and mathematicians uh, to come into the business and the insurance industry is one of the most ripe with them so we tend to have a fantastic pool to, of, of individuals to be able to talk to you, know, you get to work in really complex things every day and and that tends to be something which produces uh, really amazing results so so yeah so the, the the dna of many people of insurance works well for our business yeah, and something which we, we've been keen to harness
1: and what are the personalities that best suit a business working for a business like yours
0: Yeah, so so I think there's there's probably two or three sort of personality traits which have defined us so far right uh, what i'll be open about is a lot of the time you hear from startups around they've got on the wall like they've got all their culture statements and the culture sort of principles i've always been of the viewpoint that it's really hard to kind of lay that out from the start because your business always evolves mm-hmm. and always changes and at different times of your journey your actual sort of your different sort of cultural sort of game plan needs to evolve as well depending on where you want to go but probably the ones that have stood the, ta- the test of time fr- from the beginning is people coming with a natural curiosity uh, to to kind of rethink what is possible because we have to have that curiosity factor and and challenge some of the status quo because otherwise why would in- incumbent insurers or mgas want to do work with us if we're not going and to tell them there's different ways to do things so curiosity is really important the second one is, is obviously really having determination to fix a problem. We get faced with some of the most complex problems probably imaginable, right? We, we get asked to fix and solve. How can you take possibly the most complex sort of model you've ever seen and turn it into code? And obviously the ability for us now to do that in an almost instant staining basis is, is has been the result of dedication to constantly kind of finding ways to, to do things because the teams could have gave up right when things didn't work or uh, when uh, basically they couldn't get it to kind of work instantly but mm-hmm. that continual sort of determination to make it better is, is really important and then the third one which is is probably a, a kind of an interesting one given that we've got a number of actuaries in the business and a number of functional experts is is we do like people to kind of have a a natural enjoyment in their work right so we're not overly disciplined in regards to structure and this is what you have to do every single day because if you're curious if you've got a determination you tend to be able to kind of then focus on the problems which you actually think are worthwhile fixing Mm -hmm. versus me telling you go work on that and i probably selfishly more stole that from like the way how Facebook works, right, where it was quite famous that they basically uh, had a list of 150 things or 200, 300 things that they could do, but they naturally felt that talented people would figure out what actually is worthwhile uh, kind of resolving and working on. And if you give people that empowerment, then you tend to see really spectacular results is as, as, as my perspective. So if people can kind of have that enjoyment of what they're doing and feel that they're they're kind of given the encouragement to work on things that matter, I think you, get, you tend to get outperformance that way.
1: Yeah, awesome, awesome. And what sort of opportunities can you provide to high-performing talent who join your business?
0: Yeah, I think the the opportunities are are honestly huge at our company, right? So we we don't say that when you come in, you're an actuary, so you're just going to be an actuary in our business. Like many of our actuaries have now turned into either R and D kind of leads or product kind of leads or working in product teams. So they're using their actuarial high quality skill sets. They're, The studies and education that they've done for numerous years, as everyone knows, but they're using it in a different way, which is probably different to how they ever imagined to using it. So we offer that opportunity for people to leverage brilliant skills that they've got, but also then utilize it in a different way moving forward, which I think is a really fantastic experience, right? Because people have become actually, they've gone through seven years of hard work or, or longer to, to do that. So you don't want to instantly turn and kind of say, all that hard work you've done, you're not going to be able to use it. Instead, it's like, how can I harness that and mm-hmm. then bring that into mm-hmm. something which is even, even more amazing is, is basically what we want to do. And that's the same on, People who work on basically the more the more functional side of the product, I may be thinking about on the sales, the claims, the underwriting side, as well as obviously people who come from more a sales and distribution side or a or a delivery side. Uh, we tend to try and say to people that you don't cherry picked into one role. You'll have flexibility to get involved in various different things. And, and look, there'll be some people who want to be in the same role, and that's fine. But we we do like people to kind of be doing cross roles because uh, we think that adds a lot to the to the business and a lot to the team.
1: Yeah, it certainly does. It certainly does. Flipping things around slightly, do you, do you ever see any sort of skills or experience perhaps lacking when you bring people in from the insurance industry compared with some of the other sectors that you might bring people in from?
0: So it's a really good question. Luke. I think the, the reality is that when you're running a technology business and a, a technology product business, mm. the obsession on user feedback, like customer experience, constantly analyzing how your platform is is working and operating is is something which tech companies are amazing at but at the insurance industry i think has proven over the last hundred years it's not its natural strength right it's it's never really been the most customer driven type of of industry it's been there to kind of it's more of a service industry, to be honest, right, in mm-hmm. regards to it provides protection and the need when you need it. And it's highly complex and we're trying to demystify it. Uh, so don't worry about asking about a black box. Uh, just take the policy and when something happens, we'll, we'll figure it out. So that constant sort of desire to really understand how users interact with your platform, how how basically to get that feedback and insights mm-hmm. is something which is probably not a natural area mm-hmm. from Mm-hmm. insurance to get and that's why we've supplemented people from maybe more of a tech background or from a more kind of customer facing industry mm-hmm. to implant that into the highly technical team we have so uh, and i'm not generalizing everything there right? but in the main uh we tend to find people who've got that mindset may, might be not so much from insurance but from other industries
1: and if they don't i imagine with the culture that you're building there they quickly pick that up
0: yeah, they have to, like, because particularly as many of them go into product roles or platform solutions roles, because ultimately, the, we'll have product uh, R&D sessions or product roadmap sessions or product feedback sessions. And the first question I'm going to ask is so what's the user feedback? If it's silence, it's going to be a very difficult question and very difficult kind of uh, probably meeting. So it, ha- it has to be into the, the DNA, right, of, of that moving forward. So, yeah, but the, the only way you learn is actually getting to embrace that and experiencing it. And look, we're constantly learning. I wouldn't say like we're the, the most advanced in this space and we're getting better every day but the reality being that it's fundamentally important to our own ongoing journey. Thanks, John.
1: John, final question in our espresso round. If there are any insurance business leaders out there considering a move into a technology business, into an insurtech, what would your advice be to them and what should they be doing now in order to prepare themselves for that that move?
0: Yeah, so I think, uh, obviously drawing from personal experience, I'd done quite a bit of research around what is the type of business I think I would be good at, at, at basically moving into, right? Or or creating. And the reality is there's obviously a wide spectrum of insure tech. There's the the businesses which are essentially digital insurers. I they're insurers, but they're digital, right? So your, your, your hippos, your your lemonades, etc. There's businesses which are digital MGAs or digital brokers. There's businesses which are very much more kind of creating new digital products or digital sort of uh, capabilities for insurers or MGAs to ingest. And then there's businesses like us, which are tending to be trying to empower insurers with new capabilities and solutions mm-hmm. in order to kind of help insurers become better, right? So every, every single insurance executive will have a natural area where they probably feel more comfortable with or yeah. feel they can add more value to. So I think segmenting the the different types of insure techs is important because insure techs are big term, but yeah. the reality being there's a number of different ones and, and different skill sets are going to do better than different different arenas right because as mentioned we've had a a number of highly technical people uh, join our business obviously for obvious reasons but actually many of our distribution or kind of sales team also come from the industry because they know how to talk to other executives in the industry it's it's not a tech guy going to speak to an insurance executive it's a previous insurance executive speaking to another and i think that's highly valuable so Uh, If there's somebody who feels they can basically really uh, maximize and and leverage the network they have, then maybe that more enterprise side is is good. But if you want to be part of a uh, kind of really disruptive or customer sort of new customer age business, then go to the digital insurer. Right. That's that's basically the right fit for you. So I think that's the most important thing. And then the second one is really sort of determining the stage of business you want to join, because obviously there's risk reward trade off. Uh, depending on the different stage different people have got different sort of financial sort of commitments and and obviously kind of uh, goals are trying to achieve some may be set for life and therefore that that choice of when you join is is a bit more open-ended some obviously might be really keen to do it but they have a window as to how long they can can afford to do it so pick choose choose that window and then that Mm. that helps segment things further because there's obviously been a number of people who've maybe kind of taken the leap and It always takes longer than you think it's going to take. That's the reality, right? So if you want to be part of something at a later stage, that's fine. But obviously accept the fact that there's not going to be as much upside rewards as part of that. But if you're prepared to kind of wait for a few years for that reward, then obviously there's rewarding experience to join in a business uh, series A or below.
1: That's absolutely fantastic advice john i think that's great advice for any listeners out there the insurtech industry is such a wide wide industry and such a wide variety of companies all at different stages you know some are disruptors as you say some are enablers and it's working about you know where you're going to add the most value and where you're going to benefit as well in, in in your own career and at what stage that company is at as well so i, I think i think that's fantastic advice john really Appreciate that. We're almost at the end of our time together today, fortunately. But do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners? And how would they go about reaching out to you after the show?
0: Yeah, so the closing advice is like, in in reality, there's so much opportunity and and obviously insurance. And I think the word insure tech, you either kind of feel it or you embrace it. And I think the answer is actually more in the middle. I think in, in the main, most businesses are actually trying to help the industry. And uh, that that kind of collaboration between the ecosystem, whether it's the, the major incumbents, whether it's obviously uh, the more uh, kind of distribution models like the MGAs or brokers or the new emerging ones, I think there's just going to be a variety of different plays and different experiences which is going to happen. So my, my advice to anyone is whether, regardless of where you're working, be very open to exploring different possibilities and different ways of how the industry is going to evolve, because certainly my eyes have been open over the last couple of years. And I and I generally do believe I'm seeing more insurance executives' eyes are opening up about how they can see their business evolving. And I think that's tremendously exciting for the industry and I think, obviously, the, the being involved in an insured tech organization could offer tremendous opportunities for those that want to be part of that. And, and getting access to myself is is very, very easy. I'm very kind of uh, contactable via LinkedIn. Uh, it's not hard to find me on, on LinkedIn and uh, be delighted to kind of hear from anyone who would love to kind of hear more or is, is thinking about pursuing a different uh, kind of uh, experience or, or, or career opportunity. We are continually searching for fantastic talent across the world and would love to hear from anyone who's interested in chatting more.
1: Well John it sounds like a great opportunity that you provide there and we'll be we'll be sure to put your contact details on our show notes so listeners can click straight through to you. John thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed hearing all about uh, coherent and also your own personal career journey. I think it's uh, really inspiring to see someone who's made such a successful transition from the insurance into the insure tech sector. So, thanks very much for your time today, John. Really appreciate it.
0: No, thanks, Nick. Pleasure to, to be on the
1: show. It's been great. It's been great. And to all the insurance and insure tech listeners, wherever you're listening around the world, we thank you for joining us today. I'm sure you would have gained a lot of great advice from John. If you do enjoy the show, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes and make sure you subscribe. And download so that you receive each one of our episodes into your podcast app each week. Till next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global Insure Tech Series. Take care.
0: You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.